Well, hey, Fellowship family, uh, welcome. It's great to have you in our service, and it's great to get into God's Word now as we begin a new series called The Expected One. And we're using this as a, as a, as a theme to really guide us into the Scriptures. This past week, I was reading through uh, Matthew chapter 13, and it gave me an incredible picture that I didn't quite see before after I read that passage. And Jesus is telling a parable, and he's talking to the scribes. Look at this passage with me. It says this, Jesus said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Okay, so what Jesus is saying here is ultimately, he is the new. He's the fulfillment of the law and the prophets and all the expectation for him. He is the new one. But you have to look at the old and what they had in the old to draw us to the new. And that's what we have. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament. So this series is really going to look at the combination of both, the old and the new, to celebrate Jesus during this Christmas time. There's a lot of things that are disruptive around this time. There's a lot of things that are distracting during this time. And a lot of times when we're uh, distracted or disruptive, we don't grow. And so I want to really focus on this to really move towards the expected one and worship Jesus over the course of this disruptive, distractive uh, uh, season. So what we're, what we're going to do is, is, do, is just begin with the first book of the New Testament, and it's the book of Matthew. As you may know, uh, the books of Matthew and Luke tell the story of the birth of Christ. And Matthew and Luke want to link it in to the story that had been told expecting Jesus, the one who would be the Messiah. And so they use Old Testament and then they talk and bring in through a New Testament. And that's what we're going to do. So look with me at Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. This is what it says as it introduces us to Jesus. It says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay, so let's look at this because there's three names that are listed here. We've got Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ, the son of David, and the son of Abraham. So we're going to be looking at three people. We're going to be looking at three images, and we're going to be looking at one promise from God. And that's how the story is told, whether it's Matthew or whether it's Luke. It's this Jesus is the expected one. He is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies that looked forward to him. Okay, so let's look at this first one. I'm going to start with the one most distant, uh, the name Abraham. And when you hear the name Abraham, I want you to think of the word blessing. Abraham, blessing. Okay, turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to uh, the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. We were in the first book of the New Testament. Let's go to the first book of the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 12, you, you have a picture of blessing. Uh, in, and when, when God appeared to, to Abram and he said, go leave your, your country and your kindred and your family and go to the land that I will show you. And then he says in verse two, he says, and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse and in you 
all the families of the earth will be blessed. Okay, so all I want you to do is look at how many times the word bless or blessing is in those two verses. And what you'll do if you did do the math, it's five times. And we find that not just in this passage, but in the larger picture of the book of Genesis, blessing is the word. It's the word that's used that, uh, to reflect a relationship with God that's, that's received by faith in, in him. And Moses received, excuse me, Abraham received that blessing as he believed God and uh, God counted it to him as righteousness. And so that's what, that's what God does. He shows this big picture of blessing. He did it through Abraham and then he did it through Abraham's son, Isaac, and his son, Jacob, and his son, Joseph. And most of the book of Genesis is all that, you know, four families, one promise of blessing. And you basically have the whole book or that latter part of the book of blessing, but it even links to the beginning of time. God created everything and he called it and he blessed it, right? And he said, it is good. And then, then he created humanity, male and female. And he said, this is very good. He blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. But then something happens in Genesis chapter three. We walk away from the blessing. That which God blessed us with, we walk away and we eat of the tree that we were commanded not to. And the curse came on and the curse came in and it defaced the blessing but it didn't erase the blessing. And so from Genesis 3 all the way to the end of the New Testament in Revelation, we get this story of redemption, of God's blessing, of seeking to bless us again, ultimately through the person and the work of Jesus. But there was something that God said to Abraham that he gave him an image of this blessing. And in Genesis 15, he says, Abraham, go outside. He took Abraham outside at the dark of night and he, he said, look toward heaven and number the stars. If you're able to number them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abram believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. So here's an image that reminds me of the blessing of God in the stars. And I put this on top of uh, my Christmas tree or our Christmas tree at my, my family. Um, and we just to remember not just the star in Bethlehem, but the star, the promise of blessing from Abraham that's ours through Christ. And do you know how many stars there are? I mean, God said to Abraham, count them if you can. And I'm sure he couldn't because he was limited with his naked eye. But now through deep, deep space um, telescopes, astronomers can go up and they can look at the number of stars that they are and they can estimate them. Do you know what the most recent estimate of stars are? The more we can see out into space, it's a hundred billion trillion, a hundred billion trillion. So think of a billion and then add just a trillion, you know, the number of zeros you have to add to that and you'll get the number of stars there are in our universe. Now, again, that's still an estimate, but with the naked eye, I love doing that, especially here in Kansas. You can go out in the country away from city lights and you can look up and the darker the night is, the brighter the stars shine. And God wants to remind us just like he did with Abraham. That if you can count them, so your descendants will be. And what is God is saying is, yeah, look up. Look up in the night sky and, and try to count them. And, and look, yes, I'm awesome. There's so many stars. 
but this is also a picture of my love and my relationship and the descendants, my heart for people to bring them back into my family, the family of Abraham, through the person and the work of Christ. Okay, so this was the Old Testament expectation. And it's shown to us when Jesus was born. In Luke 1, 54 and 55, uh, Mary says this in her prayer when she, the angel told her she was going to bear the son named Jesus. And she says, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. She saw it. She saw it more than, uh, actually the first that any other person saw it, that she was connected into the lineage of Abraham through the person of Jesus being born. And God remembered his promise. He remembered his covenant that, that he would establish his people forever. It was an everlasting, eternal covenant. And it's brought to us by Jesus. That's, that's awesome, isn't it? And, and so when you think, when you hear Abraham, I want you to think of the word blessing. And I want you to remember the stars. God gives us that reminder. I mean, even better than the rainbow after it rains. It doesn't rain every day in, in Topeka. But we can look up into the nighttime sky. And without clouds, we can see stars. And just be reminded that not only is God great, but his love for us is great. And his promise to us is as unending and as innumerable for, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay, so think about Abraham now. Now we're going to move to that second name that Matthew introduces Jesus with. And that's the name of David. And when you think or hear of the name David, I want you to think kingdom. Because David was a king in the Old Testament. And his kingdom was one of the most um, affluent and expansive in the history of Israel under his reign. And so David was used by the Lord to show the world who he was. And although David kind of uh, raised the money for it, his son Solomon would build a temple in which all the world could come and worship uh, God. And so it's shown in the Old Testament that the Messiah would come from the line of David. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, it says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Again, in Isaiah chapter 9, it even the lens of Scripture kind of focuses in even more. It says, He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. So the expected one would come from Jesus. And that's exactly how Matthew and Luke present Jesus. The expected one would come from the line of David. And so they show him, they link him to David. In Luke 1, verse 32, it says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. There's his name. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. That's that Jesus who would come in and be king of kings and lord over lords. Uh, over all lords, and whom we see even in the book of Revelation, that everyone, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so when you think of David, I want you to think of kingdom. And I want you to remember the crown. The crown is the emblem of a king's rule. 
It's his authority. It's his reign. It's his power. And so therefore, when you think about coming to Jesus and he is the king who is from the line of David, we have to take off our crowns, the crowns that we have of selfishness or pride or our plan or our will. We have to take off our crowns and we have to submit to the crown of Jesus and allow him to rule and reign in our lives. It's Jesus, the king that we're called to celebrate this Christmas. Okay, and now the final one, and this is the fulfillment. As Matthew introduces Jesus, he wants us to think of the word salvation. And when you hear the name Jesus, the very name Yeshua, as it's pronounced, Yeshua, from, from, we go back even into the Old Testament, Joshua. What does Joshua mean? The Lord is salvation, okay? And so every time Jesus' name was, was, uh, was, was said, Matthew wants us to, to realize this is salvation. This is God's salvation for us. His name is Jesus. Look at, look at this passage in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, where Joseph is told by the angel, he says, she will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus or Yeshua, for he will save his people from their sins. I think it's fascinating how Jesus is introduced with other kings in the region. In Matthew, you have King Herod. In Luke, you have Caesar Augustus and other, the, the leader over Syria who operated after a time where Jesus was born named Quirinius. You have these rulers and you have this authority and you have this power. And then you have this little baby born in Bethlehem who's of the line and of tribe of Judah and the line of David who would be the king of kings. He was the expected one. But no one expected this king of kings to be born to a lowly family in a place off the grid, definitely off the power grid of Roman rule and authority. That is what God is saying, is that this Jesus turned the world upside down. I love how John Orberg says that it's because of Jesus that we name our, our children Peter and Paul and Mary. And, it's, and, and we name our cats and dogs Herod and Caesar because Jesus rules over all. He's the King of Kings and he's the Lord of Lords. And, and when you think about Jesus then, it's this Jesus who humbled himself. Uh, off of his throne in heaven, and he came and he humbled himself to live on earth, to be born into an earthly family, to be despised and rejected of man. This fulfilled the Old Testament prophecy. Look what it says. It, it says in Isaiah 53 about the Messiah, he will grew, for he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And then continuing in verse five of that same passage in Isaiah, it says, but he, Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And but with his wounds, we are healed. It's this Jesus then who will save his people from their sins. See, they expected him to come and tell Rome, get off, get off, and, 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 and we're not going to follow you anymore, and Israel will rise again and be a world leader. But this Jesus came in, 
and he saved us from something even greater than a bully Roman leader. The, the ultimate, the consequence of our sin and death and judgment from God that we could be in the family of God again. And so when you think of Jesus, when you think of Jesus, think about what Paul talks about. Look at what Paul says about him. It says, in him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So, friends, when I want you, what I want you to think about Jesus is think about salvation and remember the cross. Remember the cross of Christ. What Paul was saying in Ephesians 1 brings them all together because this Christ would, he would bring in, he would unite all things in heaven on earth. The stars themselves would be united back to Christ and he would show he would be the fulfillment of the stars he made the promise with. He would be the, the king of heaven and he would rule on his throne, but he would first give his life and die for our sins so that we could have forgiveness of sins and life eternal. Okay, so what do we do with this? Because ultimately, as we get our minds around what these images and these people that point us to the expected one, Jesus, how do we live this promise? It's this promise that whoever believes in Jesus will not perish but have eternal life. It's this promise for all people everywhere that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I mean, isn't that, that is the hope we need. I mean, we lit our candles to celebrate God's presence with us and he is with us and through Christ he is in us and his spirit rules and reigns in our lives as we follow him. I just want you to think about this. When you live the promise, when you live the promise and, and we're called by the scriptures to, to look to Abraham, think about the blessing of God and consider the stars, I want you to look up. I want you to look up. That's our call for, with Abraham, is look up. Just as God called Abraham, look up. As, if you can number them, so you, will your descendants be. When we think of the stars, we think about God's eternal promise that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right now, I just want to ask you real quickly, have you done that? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? A lot of people know about Jesus and they understand him much like people understand George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King Jr. And, and they think he was a great man and a good social leader. But the scriptures say, no, he is God. He's God in the flesh who came to this world and was born in Bethlehem, a descendant of Abraham, a descendant of King David, Christ, the living Christ, worship the king. Step down right now. Look up and realize the love of God for you and put your faith and trust in him. Just as Abraham believed God, you can believe that Jesus lived for you and he died for you and he rose for you and you can receive him by just saying, God, I receive the gift of Jesus this Christmas time. I receive him into my heart and I follow him. However that's going to look, I trust you to allow uh, Jesus to rule and reign 
in my life. And if that's the condition of your heart, if you just did that, welcome to the family of God. You've been brought in through Abraham and the fulfillment of Jesus. You've been brought into the God of Abraham's family. Welcome. Look up. You, it may be dark around you right now. You may feel alone. You may feel isolated. And things may be dark around you. Look up. Look up to the promise of Jesus. That in the darkest moments, we can have the light of Christ. Maybe it's dark in your life because God wants you to look up and to see him and to trust him deeper and to not walk away and to no longer live in darkness, but be guided by the light. Just as the wise men saw the star in the east and represented all the nations coming to Jesus, we have to seek him and we'll find him as our heart is moved towards him. And we worship him in a dark period of time in our lives. Secondly, when we think of David and we think of kingdom uh, and, and then we remember the crown, the crown that is Jesus right now, I want you to, to step down. Step down off of your platform of control, of power, of a personal pride, of arrogance, of negativity or criticism or cynicism, step down and make Jesus your king. I find that I have to have times almost daily where I step down, I take off my crown, and I allow Jesus to rule and reign in my life. That, that whole picture of if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself take up his cross and follow me is a, is a call of Jesus and it requires me first to step down. I don't know how you're viewing the things going on in the world right now, but I just want to encourage you, don't let them overwhelm you. Don't try to take things into your own hand, try to control things and with anger or rage or criticism. Step down and allow Jesus to teach you through this time. I mean, we, we've been saying this all along. What if Jesus is using this time for us as a church and us as individuals to love him deeply, to be more persistent with our prayers, to love one another well, to love our neighbors well? And that's what I've seen. If people, when people step down from their agendas and their missed expectations and they look around them to see who God has placed in their lives right now and they've started to love them, guess what? Jesus becomes greater. His kingdom reigns in our lives and his rule has authority and shows and goes to the ends of the earth when we're willing to do that. Okay, and then the last one here, and that's Jesus, the, the, the one who is the expected one. When you think of him, think of his salvation and remember the cross. Remember the cross of Christ. And, and that's the picture that we're called to with communion. And that's what I want to do now. I want to prepare our hearts for communion. And I want to take it with you. So if you would grab the elements that you have um, that remind us of Christ. And just as we celebrated his birth, just as he's presented in Matthew and in Luke, we can remember his cross and celebrate his work for us. So if you would take the elements right now and... Um, Take the bread right now in your hand and remember that this bread is a remembrance in itself. This bread reminds us that Jesus Christ lived for us and died for us in his body 
and his body was broken for us. And so as we break it, we just remember that he was despised and rejected and he was placed on a cross to be the forgiveness of our sins. Would you take this in remembrance of him? Now, as you open the cup or take the cup, this cup uh, reminds you of a new covenant and of a promise, a promise forged through Christ, the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. It's a promise forged by his blood. Just as there were Old Testament sacrifices, this is a once and for all sacrifice in Jesus, which he made. And by drinking this, we remember that through Jesus' blood spilled out on the cross, we receive the forgiveness of sins. Our lives are covered by the sacrifice of Jesus. Remember the cross and drink the cup. Paul reminds us that whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup uh, proclaims the Lord's death until he comes. And so that's what we just did. We just proclaimed the Lord's death. I just want to open or, or close our time in, in prayer. And, and then as we think about living this, I want you to just encourage you to look up, step down, and draw near. Draw near to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's pray and just practice what the scriptures have called us to. Heavenly Father, we look up and we see you today. And tonight we'll look up and we'll see uh, your promise in the stars and we'll see the awesomeness of who you are and the greatness of your love and the unlimited grace and favor and truth and righteousness and justice that you are. We, we look up and we give you praise. And now, Jesus, we see you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah of you, the coming King. And we step down from our thrones. We take off our crowns and we place you at the right place in our lives. May we, may we worship you and submit to you and follow you. And Jesus the one who loved us and gave himself for us, we remember you as salvation. And we thank you for the salvation that is ours in your, in your body and your blood spilled for us on the cross. And may the cross go before us this week. May it reflect your grace. May our lives reflect you. And may we deny ourselves, take up our cross, and may we follow you. It's in the name of Jesus and for his glory that we pray and we live. Amen.